Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the Random Title Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode's a little different than normal. We are talking through the internet. I mean, we talk to you through the internet, but we don't talk to one another through the internet. But this time we're talking to one another through the internet. Uh, long story short, Angel is in Malibu. I'm in my home in a different part of L.A. See, I keep my location a secret, but I freely tell people where you are. And uh, as a result, we are doing this for the first time through Skype. This is our dedication to you, folks. We are we we are doing this later than usual. We are trying to work our schedule out, and we are, we are doing this. So yeah. this, yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting that in the three years that we have done this, this has never happened before. We've always been available to record like at my house and sometimes at your place but yep. yeah well i mean just for anyone that's curious i'm at a summer camp i'm a counselor and i'm just helping out like kids that are coming from all over the world like we have japan russia brazil like everywhere and i'm stuck in malibu for two weeks which definitely which definitely cuts into the podcast and we were like oh we're definitely not gonna be able to record because it's a 24-hour job mm-hmm. but i happened to get this day off and we were like, oh, we can record. And, and I was going to drive over to you, but then the drive was like three hours round trip. And I was like, no. <laughs> so, so, so luckily Jason got a snowball. I did, Amazon. thanks to Amazon Prime Day, which was a complete bust except this one thing. But I will say... Uh, the, the planets aligned for this. They but... did. The one downside is my computer is running its fan at like a million miles an hour right now. So if you guys hear a whirling in the background of your podcast, I it's apologize. It's my fault completely. But anyway, let's talk video games because that's why we're here, right? So this episode of the show we're calling In a Bind, as we'll be talking about Binding of Isaac, which uh, the Rebirth Edition just came out for Wii U and 3DS, so we have impressions on that. And we also have some other stuff this episode, including, uh, well, more Angels Take the Mine on uh, Evo 2015, some news on Happy Home Designer, the new Animal Crossing spinoff, uh, a look at Nintendo's surprising return to arcades. They're kind of having a renaissance right now, the likes of Pokemon Tournament, uh, a Mario Kart Arcade GPDX, that is its full name, it's a mouthful, uh, update. And, and some other stuff, including a Mario and Sonic game, which came Ooh, out of nowhere. Other stuff. Other stuff. Plus, we have MPD numbers for Jason Sales Corner. And if you stick around to the end, which you all should do, uh, we're announcing our two Steam World, uh, Steam, I almost said Steam World code name, Steam World <laughs> Dig winners. Two of you have won, along with the, uh, the first details on our next Summer Giveaway Series contest, which is a whole bunch of Smash Bros. Wii U DLC. It's a bundle of stuff. We're going to give you Ryu and his stage, Lucas. Roy, the Dreamland stage, and you're getting all that for the Wii U version. So to be clear, one person is winning all of these. Yes, games? one person is winning the whole bundle. Ah, okay. It's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be a big thing. So, um, so yeah, that's all coming up. But since this is called in a bind, I feel like we should start. Oh yeah, and if you guys don't know how to find things that most interest you, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. But uh, you can go roundtown.com. We have timestamps listed out for all of this on the blog post for episode 103. But since we are calling it in a bind, we should probably talk about a different bind of sorts that happened and that was one that nintendo put themselves into these past couple weeks with uh yeah right with um doubles third so what a strange few weeks it has been for valhalla games and their project doubles third like it kind of explains why it wasn't at e3 last month but it's it's such a bizarre situation so uh, i don't know how much you've been keeping up with this because you're you know you're at your camp no, I've been keeping up with it through Twitter. It's it's insane. Like the background. I mean, like, like to be clear, I have a lot of time to keep up with stuff. I just don't have time to do anything. Else. I, I, yeah, I just can't leave. I'm like a prisoner. A prisoner with a bunch of children. Yeah, I guess to go on. Awesome you're you're stuck at juvie, basically. Six flags everywhere. Yeah, you've been like you've been doing more LA. St- you've been doing all the LA stuff I wanted to do, but just like in the span of a week. It's kind of ridiculous. 
kind of tiring, especially right after Comic-Con. I had no break. Yeah, you, you re-recorded our special episode, last episode, and then you got up at, like, what, 5 a.m. the next morning or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, anyway, yeah, so the, the background for those who may not know, who may not have free time while in their juvie jail cell like you are. Uh, <laughs> so Devil's Third, basically there's a rumor that Nintendo decided they are going to pass on publishing Devil's Third here in North America due to its quality, or its lack of quality as the case may be. And uh, the leading rumor was that Exceed, who previously picked up uh, Pandora's Tower and The Last Story, both of which were also Nintendo-funded games for Wii, uh, the rumor was Exceed was going to take over publishing duties here in the States. And that, in turn, is why it may not have been at E3. NOA didn't want to have anything to do with it. They didn't want to share it at their booth. It wasn't theirs to share. And that's why Nintendo Japan, Nintendo of Europe, in theory, if these rumors are true, that's why they said, well, you know what? We'll put our press releases a week before. We'll put out the trailer a week before. We'll say it's coming in August for us, but no one will say anything about North America. So that kind of makes sense why that happened. But then there's a bit of a backlash that no one expected. So the rumors of Double Star being skipped over here in the States caused kind of like a little mini uproar on social media. So basically, um, Nintendo America actually had to tweet. When we were at Comic-Con, they tweeted saying like, hey guys, stay tuned. We have news about Double Third soon. And that was after people were like freaking out that where's Double Third? Why aren't we getting Double Third? And uh, ultimately, they confirmed that they are going to bring it to America themselves in fourth quarter this year, which is during the holidays, in other words. And uh, the kind of interesting twist in all this is that while Nintendo is publishing the Wii U version, which comes with both a single-player campaign and a full online multiplayer mode, that same multiplayer mode is separately going to be published for PC by Valhalla Games itself, which I don't think Nintendo's ever had this happen before. So So the multiplayer is... Multi-platform, but the single yeah. player is exclusive. It's weird, right? That just sounds it, really weird. And even weirder, so the PC version is free to start, as um, the co- the term that Iwata coined. Uh, free to start, where you, you you go in for free, but then you have to pay for everything within the game at that point. So it's basically free to play with a better name. So the PC version is free to start. The console version comes with the single player, and you buy it up front for a single package. But if you get the console version you can have some of the free-to-start stuff because the console version is going to have what they call golden eggs they can spend real money on. And if you buy these golden eggs, you then exchange the golden eggs for extra items and weapons and whatnot in the multiplayer in Wii U. So it's still sort of free-to-start, but you're paying. So it's pay-to-start and then pay-to-continue? <laughs> I don't know what to call it. But, yeah, so that's what's going on with the mm, Wii U version. It already sounds messy. It's a little messy. And, I mean, to be fair... Nintendo never actually said they weren't publishing this, so all this drama might never have been entirely accurate. Like, everything I've explained up to this point is kind of... It leans pretty heavily on rumors and reports and, like, the Unseen 64 guy and what he was saying and, like, you know, what Nintendo World Report was hearing and Destructoid and all those guys, so it was never really true. But if you stop and kind of look at the chain of events, this does seem like it's exactly what happened. Like, NOA really didn't seem like a lot of brand. I mean, the fact that it's coming out in August in Japan and Europe, but not till fourth quarter here in the States, to me, that kind of implies, you know, that something went wrong. Because if Nintendo was planning to publish it in the U.S. from the start, why wouldn't they publish it in August? It's a dead period. They can release a game and maybe get some sales. Doing it during the holidays, it's for sure going to be buried. They're clearly, like, appeasing people with this. And uh, the only reason I could think of that it would possibly take extra is because they need to have additional resources. They need to... You know, now they need to start printing, making the instruction manual and printing the game boxes and yada yada, and that takes a little time to ramp up when, you know, in theory, it comes out in three weeks in the rest of the world. So that's the only reason I could see for why these rumors might be true. But you could argue that there's really no way NOA did this because of fans, because, like, what, what's, what are the odds a major company like Nintendo on the fly is like, 
oh, you guys want Double Stirred? All right, here's Double Stirred. Like, it doesn't... Companies have very long outlooks. They have very long release schedules. They plan things 9, 12 months in advance. Like, it seems kind of unlikely that this might be true. But I guess they do have a history of doing this. There is a precedent. I mean, Operation Rainfall was all fan demand, and that eventually led to, you know, Last Story, Pandora's Tower, and Xenoblade coming stateside. The Majora's Mask remake that people have been demanding for, like, 10 years actually happened on 3DS, and that was clearly a fan-driven thing. Well, so, I mean, didn't he say that he wanted to make it pretty much the moment Ocarina of Time 3D stopped? That's true. They but were they, like, you already right, wanted right. to do it. It was just more like, yeah. oh, we hear you guys. We're just sad that we can't tell you anything. That's true, and they the did game. have fun teasing us about it. But they definitely latched onto the fan momentum with the oh, teasing yeah, yeah. In the, and, like, in A Link Between Worlds where this, the Majora's Mask is just there on the wall. Like, that was definitely a little, like, nods to it. But you're right, that's that's actually <laughs> a bad example. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, like, it's weird because Nintendo has done these sort of turnarounds. Or, like, Earthbound coming back, you know, Earthbound oh, games. Yeah, yeah. But it's just usually they're so much slower, which is the only reason, a little bit, I don't know how true it is that this was NOA... All you know, in a way, making a last-minute change, or if it was truly from the start that they felt like doing it this way. But but the funny thing is, so now it's coming out, it's hanging Q4. But the game isn't very good, and now fans are reacting to that. So we went from people freaking out that we're not get, getting Devil's Third in America to freaking out that Devil's Third is crappy and that they don't want it. Is there no way to? They haven't even played it yet. <laughs> what? They haven't even played it yet. I know. Well, dude, I know, have you yeah, read yeah. the impressions? It's pretty bad. I mean, it, but it's just really funny that like fans are like, Nintendo's like, oh yeah, we're gonna pass on it, and then fans are like, no, what are you doing? And they're like, fine, we'll bring it. And they're like, no, we don't want that. It's like, make up your mind. <laughs> What's the point? But trust uh, us, fans. We know what. Yeah, and everyone's like, like there. I saw some headlines that are like. Um, I think I was reading some of the previews. I think it was VideoGames.com said something like Double Stirred is shaping up to be one of the worst Nintendo games ever published or something like that. Like that was the byline of their preview. Or like Nintendo World Report described it. I think it was like drab and shallow or something. Like it's getting slammed. But it's funny because this isn't actually the first time Nintendo put out a bad game on behalf of someone else. Do you remember? Um, do you remember when they were big on Tenchu for some reason on the DS? Nintendo had this weird obsession with Tenchu, the, like, the stealth ninja game. It's like Ninja Gaiden, but slowed down, like in molasses. Okay. And they, um, yeah, they released a second, third year into the DS's life. They released Tenchu, I think it was Dark Secret was its name. It was one of those DS puns. And it got bad reviews, like threes and twos and fours. And Nintendo was pushing it pretty hard. So, like, everyone going like, oh, now Nintendo's publishing a bad game. What's wrong with them? It's like, well, they've done that before, and you did kind of ask for it. So, <laughs> so you might just have yourself to blame at that point. But, but in the case of... In the case of Devil's Third, it kind of sucks, though. I mean, obviously, we haven't played it, so we can't talk too much about it. But, like, it's had the potential to be good. I mean, mm-hmm. the plot's kind of whatever. It's like a guy saving the world. He has nine missions to stop all his terrorists. But, like, the gameplay is interesting. It's, like, third-person cover system with, like, the first-person down-the-scope um, Call of Duty, like, shooting mechanics. It's, like, a hybrid yeah, of that. I mean, visuals also look kind of good sometimes. I mean, sometimes. Like, well, sometimes. It's weird because Ninja Gaiden 2, which was the developer's other game, you know... Um, Itagashi or Itagaki, sorry. Uh, he he's the Ninja Gaiden guy. He's a game, uh, Dead or Alive guy. He ran Ninja Theory for a long time. He makes really stellar looking games, like the Xbox 360 stuff that he did, or the Xbox One stuff he did looks super good. Like Ninja Gaiden on the DS, Dragon Sword looks super good for DS. And then this one's just kind of like there's a couple nice parts, but most of it's kind of just very bland. Yeah, because I mean, it's not that the game looks bad by any means, like graphically wise. I mean, like. It does its job, but nothing looks very inspired. Or mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, here's an industrial level. Here's some. 
Yeah, um, like I, yeah. I don't remember whose preview it was. It might have been Nintendo World, but they're like the only interesting, the only interesting looking level is this Japanese village. Everything else is just like generic, like browns and grays and metal. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, it's kind of sad that it sounds like the mechanics like just don't work as well as they should, and things like you know, like the gameplay concept's interesting, but it's just super, super hard. Like the AI is totally unforgiving. It just makes for not a fun experience. Which interesting is get good. No, that's literally what he said. That's what Igaki said. Like he was starting to do like he's really active on Facebook and he was starting to like respond to the criticism and he basically said the game isn't bad. The journalists just don't know how to play it. Which which, to which, some which extent, I can get behind most yeah. of the time because whenever I see a lot of journalists play games, whenever they're doing their like let's play live or something, or even after like they've had like so like, Oh, we've had some time with the game and yeah. let's just play. Like sometimes I don't know. I mean, to their defense, like they play tons and tons of games. They don't have time to actually get good at any particular game. It's true. But for, but for the most part, a lot of them don't really know what they're doing. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just I don't know. I can't really blame them, but I also can't. But they shouldn't be able to say, "Oh, this game sucks." Kind of like game trailers in Mario Mario Baseball Mario Sluggers. Oh yeah, you hated that. Yeah, they they just said it didn't work. It was unresponsive, but. It definitely worked, and it definitely was responsible. You just have to learn it or get used to it. And that's a lot of what um, people are saying about Devil's Third in the impressions. It's like, oh, like I, there's just one level where you're like on a plane or something, or like I think there's one where you're on a plane, there's one where you're controlling a jeep, a jeep, and someone's like, oh, and I press the boost button, I can't. The jeep's uncontrollable. It's like, I mean, is it uncontrollable, or are you just not used to playing at that speed of that? You know, yeah, with those driving like mechanics. Whenever any kind of criticism involves controls, like how a game controls. Um, I feel you could, for the most part, disregard them unless the criticism is that they literally don't work. Yeah. That, like, they're literally, like, unresponsive. But with some things that, like, oh, it feels weird. Like, anything that sounds like, I guess anything that is an opinion, I guess, that just sounds like it's coming from more of an opinion side of it. It's yeah, just, um, I agree. Now, the one thing I I'll give worry them, about the controls. The one thing I'll give the critics credit for is apparently the game's frame rates all over the place, and there's just some <laughs> glitches throughout, and... What's really weird is, like, part of the defense that Itagaki's running with... I, th- I hope I'm saying his name right, but part of the defense he's running with is... You guys, you can't play with the gamepad. Don't play with the gamepad. That's your problem. You guys suck at it, and you shouldn't be using the standard <laughs> controller for the console that we made this game for. Which is confusing to me to say... Like, I understand what he means. Like, some games do work better with the Pro Controller. But he actually outlined four reasons... Or, sorry, three reasons to not play with the gamepad. Like, he says the gamepad provides a subpar experience. Which, again, Nintendo's publishing this thing, and they're developer going out there and being like, yeah, the gamepad's not good. Don't, don't use it. But, uh, I don't know, some of, this is where I'm starting to think like he's getting a little ridiculous. Like, here, here are the reasons. I, I wrote them down, because they're just kind of wacky. First up, I'll just read the quote. Four face buttons are positioned over crowding, so you easily press the wrong button. In that case, you will die. Now, I haven't looked at Pro Controller in the last couple weeks, but if I'm not it's mistaken... It's identical. Yeah, yeah, it's identical. The only so difference like, is the fact that you don't have about? a screen. Yeah. And if you're if you say well, you're gonna your press fingers, X instead of curve y. more, but everything else is identical. Like spacing wise, everything is identical. Yeah, like I mean he makes a second his second point is the distance between the analog sticks is too far apart, so it's quite difficult for you to feel grasp the battlefield. That's his words. What? That one I mean that one I'll give him credit. They are far apart, so if you're used to a close quarters controller, maybe but even then, it's like you. Everyone that has a Wii U knows how to play a Wii U. Like these seem like excuses to me. I'm not saying that like necessarily this game is or isn't bad, but these, these this is a very weird response to criticism, in my opinion. 
right? Like to be like, oh, well, it's the gamepad. Oh, and the third one, uh, double storage is a game you play a long time. The standard tab controller is too heavy for such use. I played the Wii U for long things and I never had that issue. In fact, I'd argue it's more comfortable than like holding a 3DS, which can cramp you after a while. Like, well, it's more ergonomic. Yeah, and it's not that heavy. And anyone who's usually you're kind of like laying it on your on your lap. I mean, mm-hmm. usually you're never really hovering with it unless you're playing Splatoon. That's like one of the few games. Even when I play Splatoon, like I was doing the Splatfest, you know, the um, War Slides versus Roller Coasters. By the way, go Team War Slides. It's sad we lost, but let's stay united. Anyway, I was playing that and. Um, I I think I played for like two hours in one go, and my arms didn't they weren't tired at all. My hands were fine. I had no issue. So I'm not sure if saying oh the controller's heavy is really a good sticking point for why the previews of the game were unfair. But I don't know. The whole thing just strikes me as very this whole situation is very strange because you got a game that like Nintendo didn't want to release supposedly, and then fans are like please release it, and then they released it, or now they're going to release it. And fans are like actually it kind of sucks. And then the developers coming out and going, well, no, you suck. We're fine. Like, it's just such a weird thing. And it does have off-TV play, by the way. But interestingly, if you're playing on TV, the gamepad is completely blank. There's not even a map. So it's anything. Donkey Kong Country. It's Donkey Kong Country, yeah. But, but yeah, so maybe... Freeze. Yeah, Tropical Freeze. So yeah, maybe maybe he's right. Pro Control probably is better. But it's kind of a bummer that we're in this situation. Because, like, Devil's Third, if it turned out to be... Not, you know, a nice game. It would be a good addition to the library. It's a good companion for games like uh, Xenoblade. It's a good companion for games like Bayonetta, for Fatal Frame. But they were carving out... <laughs> what? And that's it. And that's it. But it would have been four games instead of three. <laughs> so now it's well, like 3.2 games. Doing oh, doing oh yeah, Zombie U. Like, there's some, you know, maybe the Batman games when they were still bringing them over. Blops. Yeah, Blops 2. Uh, yeah, like, it was... They could have carved out a little niche for, uh, niche, for, niche, niche, there we go, wow. They could have carved out a little niche for this game, and yet here we are with just this bizarre drama. I don't think I've ever seen a game release have this many ups and downs in the span of, like, two weeks. Because everything we just covered is what's happened since our last episode. Like, it's been going fast, and it's still going. Like, people are, they're still, now people are like, oh, the visuals aren't as good as at D3 demo last year. And then other people are like, no, what are you talking about? They're better, and there's always comparison videos, and the game's still not out yet, by the way. We're a month away, and there's already all this backlash. A month away from the rest of the world. Three months from here. It's just, I don't know, it strikes me as very strange. But, yeah. Are you going to get it? (laughs) Probably not. Yeah, I mean, same. not because of this criticism at all. It just doesn't really seem like my type of game. Right, right. I feel like if I saw it in a bargain... I hate to say this before it comes out, but if I saw it in a bargain bin, I might pick it up. Like, if it was like 20 bucks, I'd consider it just to see what it was all about. Like, after all this drama. Because that's the one the one advantage of all this. I mean, this. it'd have to be really discounted because, I mean... Yeah, maybe 10 bucks. I mean, I, I still haven't even gotten Mario Party 10, and I definitely want Mario Party 10 more than I want Double Stared. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I, I would probably be in the same boat, and I don't even want Mario Party 10. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, but um, I just got Alien Isolation, I think the day before For PS4. Or PS4. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like PS4. the day before we left the Comic-Con. So clearly, I mean, obviously I haven't even been able to play that yet. Yeah. And when I get back, I have to get Resident Evil Revelations 2. You have a PS4. lot of games to get. Yeah, I do. And to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of... um. I think Smash Brothers is, is our, has finally already reached that point where you're over it. The, um, yeah, you know, just the game. Well, I'm not over it, but it's just like the game. All of a sudden, I will play only when we feel like it. Like I'm not right. gonna go out of my way to. I'm not gonna go to locals anymore. I kind of want to play other stuff now. Right, right. Yeah, until tournament um, mode comes out, and then we'll see. 
Everything I just said is going to go out the door. Of course it is. Yeah, that's actually interesting. August is a huge month for me. Well, I was going to say real quick, uh, Devil's Third, the one upside of all this is they got some good marketing out of it. More people know about this game probably than would ever know in a normal situation. What they know about it might not be good, but they know about it. But but yeah, I was going to say, August is actually a big month for Nintendo. Not for new releases. They have nothing. But that's when we get like the big Splatoon update. I mean, they've been pushing out Splatoon stuff really regularly, but that's the big one with you know friend pl- friend battles and whatnot. And then the Smash Bros. update, and is that... I feel like there's one more thing. Is that it? So just the two? Mm, yeah, unless there's something market related and nope, that's That it. they haven't announced, yeah. But it's just, like, it's kind of cool to see uh, that Nintendo's actually using August as a month to, like, keep people engaged with what they got. And then September, and this is in more positive gaming news than what Devil's Third was, uh, mm. I believe it's September, we're getting Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer, which we're starting to finally learn a bit more about how it's actually a game and how it's structured and what, what it entails. And uh, I don't know. I'm starting. I'm starting to like the sound of it. I mean, I'm not huge on like totally open-ended games. I like having some sort of structure, some sort of linearity, some sort of end goal. But it's it's getting there. Well, uh, I mean, then you definitely wouldn't like regular Animal Crossing. Yeah, somehow that's exactly I do. What you're yeah, somehow I do. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. But somehow I do. Oh yeah. yeah okay, let me rephrase. Uh, open-ended versus linear is not the right word. This Existing is, this content. Is like a, this versus is like a more linear version of Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I should. Have Sounds like your perfect game, actually. I guess I should have said, I should have said, I prefer huh. having a pre-built game Jason's versus having to build your own game. Well, anyway, here's how it's getting more perfect. If we're going the route of it's perfect for me. Um, so what we knew previously, of course, if you are in the game designing homes, and now we know what do you design? What do you do besides design homes? Well, you design other things. So um, there's now going to be. We now know there's going to be a town plaza, and that's the hub of the game, kind of like in other Animal Crossing things. You everything's in one central place. All the stores are in one place. So you go there and that's where characters will recruit you to build things for them. And you also, it turns out, can build other buildings. So what they announced is you're going to be able to build things such as a school, a hospital, restaurants, convenience stores, department stores, concert halls. Like you just keep building out your plaza and you keep adding things and as you complete houses and individual homes and do things for individual animals, you then unlock more other things to put in your town. So essentially... It's like each new house, each or each new concert hall, convenience store, department store is like another level you unlock. You kind of work your way up. It almost sounds like a more realized version of what they want a new lease to be with how much yeah. control you get as the mayor. Yeah. Except now you get like actual, like real control. Yeah, it's like a, it's like they took the new leaf idea and we're like, wait they a minute, this? we actually yes didn't no. do that. Where? And yeah, like, and and you pick where you put it and everything. You do and that, exterior, interior. No, no, that's right. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, the more we hear about it, the more excited we get for it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's how Nintendo always does it. They always do that thing where they tell you. kind of means we'll have to get cards. Oh, God, the Amiibo cards. Yeah, they're doing... I think we talked about this in the show before, but no, yeah, we're doing we blind three-packs. That's going to be a mess. But, um, but, yeah, the thing about this is, like, so, you know, you first sit down with your ammo. Even when you're doing the homes, it's very much New Leaf, like you are saying, because you sit down at the ammo, and they're like, where do you want to put your house? And you pick on the map, and it's like, all right, do the exterior. Okay, do the interior. Oh, do I add a swimming pool? You can add a swimming pool. Like, it's there's a lot to it. And um, in a way, it's uh-huh. it's kind of interesting because, like, the house thing, to me, it kind of feels like almost a puzzle game now. Because what I was reading is that, like, you're not just building a house. Like, they're going to be like, hey, this you're animal. building a life. You are. No, but seriously, it's like you're, it's like this animal likes this pattern. Just saying, this animal likes this pattern. So you might do better if you build a house that uses furniture that matches that pattern. You know, like that sort of thing. Or like it's going to prompt you, for example, uh, the example I was reading was a kangaroo character. 
you need to build a house that accommodates both the kangaroo and the joey in their pouch. So basically you need to build a two-person house for just one animal. And what Nintendo hasn't said or what I haven't read is if these are being ranked or not. Like if you are given like objectives where it's like, hey, build this house and do this, that, and the next thing and we'll grade you through the Happy Home Association or whatever, it's almost a puzzle game at that point. Because it's like, well, how do I maximize my score using whatever, you know, uh, furniture and objects and things I have available in my inventory? And how do I unlock more things to go back and earn a higher score per house? Assuming they go that route, it's literally an Animal Crossing puzzle game that's just masquerading as, like, a home decor game. So it could actually be really cool. Like, that to me is actually way more interesting than just, oh, yeah, build a house, go wild. Like, I, I don't know. I like, like, that's the structure I meant. Like, I kind of like that idea of, like, you're not just designing a random house, but you... In theory, if you're rated or whatever, you you know, and then you achieve a goal, and that that's more game gamey, so to speak. Yes, but yes, 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 indeed, yes, yes. But no, I don't know. That sounds really cool to me. They haven't said. I don't think they've said if you're getting rated or not. But I imagine how else do you unlock new things unless I mean, you do well I with the old the games. Person moving in is going to be the one to rate you because it's their satisfaction that matters. Right. So I guess there is a rating system then. So if you do, and then maybe like how pleased they are unlocks more. Whatever. Yeah, that's what more I'm options. I guess more options. Yeah, and what determines if they're pleased or not is basically you solving the puzzle of how do you build them the ideal home. Yeah. So that actually, when it, when it's spun that way, that actually sounds very cool, opposed to just like here's a house. It sounded so bare in bones it. in the beginning, right? But now it actually sounds kind like, of like it, it, it even sounded like there wasn't even like 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 oh you scanned the card like oh here's the house that you're already inside of because there's no there's nothing beyond the walls of the house. You're just decorating whatever the card scans. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's what's that's what was so annoying about it. Is originally they're just like, oh yeah, like you can call an animal to come hang out at their house with the card, and then you design the house, and that's it. But now you find out, like you know, once you unlock the school, once you unlock the concert hall, you can take the animals there, and all, it's almost like Tomodachi life, where they just start doing stuff in there. They'll attend a class in the school. They will watch a show in the concert hall. Like it's not just the gimmicky. Like now they're having a party in the house. Let's watch. Like it's there's a full. Like, world. You're basically doing Animal Crossing without actually doing Animal Crossing. One interesting thing is they're getting rid of the day-night system. I mean, there will be days and nights, but it's not real-time. It's just going to be your working days for however long you play. And then you just end the day when you're ready to move on. So they give you a little more flexibility to, like, solve the puzzle, so to speak. But yeah, this... I think this has converted me. Assuming the rating thing is intact, like, I don't see why I wouldn't get this at this point. I was super, like, confused by it at E3, but now I'm pretty much on board. It's amazing how that's all it took. Now I have to see how many packs you're going to buy. Oh god, I don't even want to think about it. Because, I mean, there's a hundred cards in just Series 1 of Amiibo cards. But then again, maybe, be a, maybe it'll be smooth. Maybe it'll go like how Amazon's Palatina Amiibo went on Friday. where it was like, Wasn't it up for like an hour? It was up for an hour and ten minutes. Well, yeah. Even Nagel was able to get one, and then I was like, wait, I already have one. so I, can't I was it. able to get one. I looked on the page. I'm like, oh, it's available. And I'm like, wait, but I don't want one. And then I just didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was available for like an hour and 10 minutes. Amazon did a great job. Like all other retailers in the world should take note that that is how you do an Amiibo sale. Unlike Best Buy, which I think next Friday is just like, come on down and get Dark Pit and hopefully we have it. I mean, it does help that they got a, like a significant amount mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the way they still informed everyone to get that too. They said like, it doesn't really matter that we're telling you to versus like that mysterious 30 minute window yeah so you know it worked out yeah to be honest I'm pretty sure that um, we're reaching the end of the tunnel uh, the light at the end of the tunnel one of the shortages. other ones gonna go on pre-order. Dark Pit is on the 31st he's not pre-ordered no 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 no, no, no. The, the non-exclusives like oh I probably in August sometime I, I mean imagine. at least from Amazon 
It seems like they're trickling them out. It seems like Nintendo's doing like one per week, so they probably will do the pre-orders in August once these are done. But, but I will say, things are getting better. Nintendo World had like all of them in stock over the last couple of days in New York. And like, they're coming down in price. Apparently, Wii Fit Trainer is actually hard to sell now for some people. No, yeah, That's like, what I mean, the rarest Goldie. one is like in the twenties, at least. Like, at, yeah, you you could basically get any amiibo you want for twenty bucks, like including shipping if yeah. you live in the U.S. Which is a nice change of pace from four months ago, five yeah. months ago. I think they were like, like at sixty and yeah, it's it's and the amiibo frenzy is ending. I'm sure the craze will continue, but the frenzy is ending. Yeah, I think it's essentially over. Yeah, people are. We say that now, but watch in September or in October, Yoshi's gonna be impossible to find the yarn Yoshi. Maybe. I mean, but yeah, uh, we just have to get the Chibi Robo. Well, that comes with the game though, so that's easy enough. Well, yeah, but still have to get it. Yeah, I agree. I I want that Chibi Robo so bad, but um, but what prompted all this? Oh yeah, the Amiibo card for Animal Crossing. Apparently, they're having production issues in Japan, so we shall see how rare those are. But they've already announced Series 2 in Japan as well, so it'll, it'll be interesting. But but yeah, so I'm excited about Happy Are all the cards up online somewhere to look at? I haven't not all of them. To see not all of them. I don't think they're Rock all Rock was available. I'm not sure, actually. Or Hippu. Hippu. Uh, are, you, are you getting Happy Home Designer, do you think? I don't know. I I kind of want to give um, put as much time into Monster Hunter before mm. X comes out. Right. Well, X won't be in the States till like, next year sometime, so... Trust me, that's probably not even enough time. Yeah, that's probably true. That game's, like, 700, 700 hours long, at least. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, uh... I mean, mixing some Smash Brothers and whatever else may come out. Paper you know, Jam or whatever. You know what's interesting about Monster Hunter? It's funny you should mention it. I mean, if I remember correctly, um, <gasps> they are playing... Oh, I saw the Gormagala at Six Flags. Oh, yeah. How How's it look in person? Um... Like it did at Comic Con. It's the same. Oh yeah, that's right. It's the same one. I thought they built a bigger one. <laughs> no, it's the same one. Except this time I was actually able to take a picture because I wasn't so as busy. You took a picture at Comic Con. We all took a picture. You're beating me up. In- no, oh, no, that was, that was, just that was the year small. before. Yeah, when, you're right. When they just had weapons, it was the mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speak of Monster Hunter and Animal Crossing, check out this co thing. Uh, did you know they're putting Monster Hunter items into Animal Crossing? It was announced in Japan through a 7-Eleven promotion that you'll be able to download Animal Crossing items, I mean Monster Hunter items, into, I believe it's Happy Home Designer. It might be New Leaf. I don't remember which. But they're oh. ret- but yeah, for the first time, Nintendo's putting other companies' stuff into Animal Crossing. I assume it'll eventually come stateside. It's like, you know, Nintendo um, Nintendo Zone downloads or I mean, something. when are we going to get the 7-Eleven, um, KK, yeah, KK for Smash Brothers? Wait, you have to get them at 7-Eleven for Smash Brothers? In Japan? Uh, they'll probably do it as... The costume? They'll probably... Wait, no, you can get the KK Me costume in the US, can't you? I don't remember. You just buy it, I Is think. It, I think Isabel was the one that was available. Either way, they're both creepy because they look like they skinned the poor things alive and stuck them on someone's head. I know, like you're wearing the skin of another Gita animal. Hasn't. Yeah, right? Jumped on this. I know, it's very strange. It's really because, it's weird because PETA was like so, like they love poking at Nintendo about like, oh, Tanuki Mario or Cat Mario and like, you know, Pokemon and all that. And then when Iwata passed away, they're just like, oh, we send our condolences, we make fun of you, but we love you. And it's just like, I did not expect PETA of all people to say that, but all right. I also didn't expect Skype to give condolences, but kind of cool they did. But anyway, moving away from death uh, and Animal Crossing, here's a segment. We're switching. Because those go together. 
update apparently here's a here's we're switching gears a bit to a segment we i never thought we would do on the show but here we are arcade games multiple arcade games we've talked about them sporadically but we've never really talked about like as a thing like here's the arcade game segment but yet here we are because nintendo's there there's a bit they're having a renaissance with arcade games and we've already known about mario kart arcade for a while Back in the day, there's F-Zero AX. There's even a Luigi's Mansion machine made by Capcom in Japan. That was by Sega. I, oh, maybe it's Sega. You're right. It's Sega. But, um, but yeah, here we're now getting three bits in the span of like 10 days about Nintendo arcade games, many of which, at least two of the three, are coming to the U.S. or in the U.S. now. So I think the biggest one is probably Pokemon Tournament, which um, is coming stateside, it turns out, kind of surprisingly. I did not expect them to bring it to the U.S. before a Wii U release, and yet, here we are. So it was revealed in a Reddit uh, AMA, of all things, that Dave & Buster's is going to be doing testing for Pokémon Tournament here in the U.S. I was going to say, like, Dave & Buster's of all places, but then... It makes a ton of it sense. Occur, it doesn't occur to me that there aren't that many places that even have, like, arcades, like, in general. I just yeah. like arcades where it's going to, like, you're pretty much... It's either that or bowling alleys, and Dave and Buster definitely has the biggest. Dave and Buster's has the biggest. Traffic? They have the yeah, they have the Bowl. biggest foot traffic. They have the biggest reach. They it, it's at the point now where they advertise on TV. Like I've seen Dave and Buster commercials on TV where they're like, "We now have the new Mario Kart," and like that's a selling point. So getting Pokemon Tournament, getting they're also testing Tekken Seven, for example. Like that's a big grab. They have Time Crisis Five at the Dave and Buster's by my office. Like that's another big grab. Like they clearly have a very good relationship with Namco Bandai who's obviously yeah. the one doing but now the question is if they ever do do a Wii U release will those cards you scan transfer over to the Wii U see now that's what's interesting is those cards you scan that save your data and whatnot. your those trainer are, ID or whatever. your trainer ID those are super common in Japanese arcades Mario Kart I believe has a variant of it um, in Japan a ton like Initial D has had that for like decades I've never seen them in a US arcade they like take them out for whatever reason. I've never seen one. Now there may be some games that have them, but I personally have never seen one. Use, I mean, I know AX has uh, GameCube memory card. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You have to bring it yourself. Yeah, and transfer your GX over to your AX, and your AX to your GX, and your GP to your DX, and your anyway. But no, it's just like it. Yeah, it's. I don't know if that's gonna make the jump. I feel like it needs to because that's a key part of like progressing through Pokemon Tournament. Yeah. But I don't know if it will. But but what's really interesting to me is in the AMA. Um, the guy that was talking, it's the uh, Vice President of Entertainment and Game Strategy, a guy named Kevin Bacchus. He actually helped make the original Xbox, so he knows his games. Good old and Bacchus. He, good old Bacchus. And he was saying that they are expecting bigger things out of Pokémon Tournament than even Tekken 7. Which you would think if you're at an arcade, a fighting game like Tekken 7 would be the go-to. But on the other hand, if you're at Dave & Buster's, mean, it's more universal. A lot of people have been wanting for a long time. Yeah. Like, yeah. funny thing, um, one of the other, I guess... My current co-workers in these three weeks, um, I was talking to them. I was talking to them about the new Smash Brothers because he's been really wanting to play it, but he hasn't had a chance to so play mine because about like, three days. It. It's been out for like ten months. Anyway, sorry. He, he's like a world traveler of sorts, and then um, he was telling me like, "Oh, you know, it'd be awesome, like a Pokemon fighting game without not turn-based, and we actually fight each other." And then I told him, "Have you heard of Pokemon Tournament?" And like, "What's that?" So I showed him a few trailers and. He's like, oh, like, it's a Pokemon fighting game without turn he, like, Yeah, like his jaw dropped. He was just like, <laughs> you know, you know, like the typical like YouTube reaction where they're like, kind of getting like, oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. pretty much. He's like that kind of person. So it was kind of entertaining. That's to funny. blow his mind. That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, I guess it makes sense because Pokemon's very universal, and you could play off the nostalgia. It makes sense to like an audience at David Buster's that they'd be excited for Pokemon Tournament more than 
Tekken. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it also helps that... Where is Hitmonlee and Hitmonchan? I don't know, but, they, but Blaziken's coming next month. Yeah. They're adding Blaziken as a fighter. Blaze, the tournament. Yep. Sure. The competition. Competition. There you go. There you go. That's yeah. a little better. But um, but I was going to say, it does help that in the case of Pokemon Tournament, it is first and foremost a Pokemon game, not a fight, not a Tekken game. Because remember when they first announced it, it's like, oh, it's a Tekken-Pokemon crossover. We're merging them together. Well, they're they're walking that back a little now. I don't know if you I mean, saw... It could have sworn... Like, well... That's how they originally built it, like, nine cause years ago. Because I remember them saying, like, well, I remember just saying, like, oh, this has a completely different fighting engine. Like, they're, and when they were showing, like, like, oh, Tekken doesn't do 3D fighting and then switches to 2D fly, fighting on the fly. That's true. This yeah. one also has, like, assist, which Tekken doesn't have at all. Well, yeah, now now they're trying to clear out. Because, I, I, like, the whole Pokken name is Pokemon Tekken. That's where yeah. it comes from. But, yeah, now they're definitely clearing up. Uh, I was saying Kotaku put together a piece that was transcribing a weekly Famitsu interview with uh, the producer of Pokken, who's also, who's also the producer of Tekken, and he kept really emphasizing this is first and foremost a Pokemon game. It's not really a fighting game. It's a fighting game with Pokemon, not a... Wait, it's a Pokemon game that involves fighting, not a fighting game that involves Pokemon, if that makes sense. Like, he went on to say that, like, the tech to make the game and the know-how behind the, behind the animation, that's from their experience with fighting games. But in terms of gameplay, it's all for Pokemon fans. It's all looking at Pokemon. And that's, that's paraphrasing what he said. But, um... It kind of makes sense. Like, they made changes. Like, you are saying, you know, they do the plane switching. They have the assist. Even little things like they changed the UI. It doesn't have a typical heads-up display for a fine game. Like, it doesn't have top-left, top-right health bars and stuff. Because they're trying to make it more Pokemon-y. Yeah, it looks... And less fighting game It looks awesome. Uh, yeah. Everything about it is so different. It does. It does. And they just want it to be... It's the they most wanted... unconventional, conventional fighting game. Exactly. And that was their goal. They wanted, like, people... They said, like, they want people to be able to walk up and just be like, Oh, Pokemon! And play. Which is probably why Dave and Buster's is like, yeah, we're going to test this thing like crazy and we're expecting big results because people are going to walk up and go, dude, there's a Pikachu punching that guy in the face. I want to play this game. Oh, yeah. like but Even just for the nostalgia, especially like our generation or even yeah. people slightly older, like, oh, Charizard, oh. Like those oldies playing, like, wait, what's this? I want to beat it up because I don't know what Pokemon that is. Yeah, yeah. It's honestly the perfect game for Dave and Buster's because it's a mix of nostalgia. What the play from- again, even though... I feel like people are... I feel like people at least people know, know what play again is, but even if they stop caring. Because a lot of people did stop caring around... Ruby Sapphire. Yeah, that's that true. was like kind of like the dividing point, whether you're hardcore or just at least among our age, at least among uh, yeah, us upper age, millennials, so to speak. Yeah. But but yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see like just how well it does with David Buster's. I'm I'm excited for. It. I mean, it's funny because he was even saying like, oh yeah, like you know, we for novice players, we really want to emphasize like blocking. Like a lot of fine games, you should block, but in this one, blocking is really important. And it's just like, all <laughs> right, <laughs> that's actually something he says. Like if you're a novice, be sure to block. It's like okay. <laughs> But, yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be really cool. And um, I'm sure some of that with, like, the, oh, it's a fighting game that's not a fighting game is PR spin to make it appealing to people that don't like fighting games. But then again, you look at the controller, and it's using, like, a normal game controller, not, like, a crazy arcade stick. So he's kind of right. It is different. In every, like you said, it's the best, well, how do you word it, not fighting, fighting unconventional, game. Not, conventional, yeah, fighting unconventional, conventional fighting game. Yeah, unconventional, conventional fighting game, yeah. So it it's still really cool. life It's not like Smash Bros. where people have like debated like, is it a fighting game? Technically? Oh yeah, yeah. I, but, I, um, I don't get that debate. I mean, I understand Smash Bros. does health differently, but you're literally all you're doing is fighting. Yeah, it, it's just that's <laughs> it's just another, that's another unconventional fighting game because when yeah. people think fighting games, it's like, oh, your character by default always faces your opponent no matter yeah. where you are. This one but, you actually have to do that. But now it's almost... But, I would say it's almost considered a normal fight, like a conventional fighting game now. Not in the sense of the mechanics, but in the sense of what is a fighting game. Because, I mean, it was the second most watched game at EVO. 
I mean, all the games. Just a game that involves fighting. That's yeah, what I that's consider a fighting game. Same, same. But I can see like people. Are well, like, oh, well where fighting is the the focused feature. The I mean, like point, yeah, because yeah. then you could say like, oh, I mean, I guess technically Mario fights Bowser and Super Mario Galaxy, so that's that a fighting wow. game. Wow, wow. And I know, yeah, yeah, technically yeah. you're fighting each other when you throw red shells in Mario Kart, but I know, yeah. It's one of those um, things you just know. Yeah, but just to I guess just to throw out there for other people, um, there are a few games I guess that don't use a uh, arcade stick for the most part. I guess instead like arcade stick is considered like the norm, like for like real fighting, like Street mm-hmm. Fighter, Guilty Gear, for, like almost everything. Yeah, I think the only game that almost de-emphasizes it is Mortal Kombat, which I guess is the only one that was designed with a controller in mind. If you look at Evo and all top players, it's always a PS4 controller. Right, right. Because it was a console game first, then an arcade game, right? It was originally yeah. Super Nintendo and Genesis. And yeah. then went to arcades. Yeah, so that's like the one game where, like, if you don't have it, well, they're, all, they're also pretty expensive. So, I mean, if there's another funny game you want to get into and you don't want to spend like 100 bucks. More combat. And Mortal Kombat has a huge online. Oh wait, but we, that's not even on the Wii U. But well, I was gonna I say Mortal Kombat now is a huge scene. Did you know Mortal? Kombat, we'll get to this in the sales corner. You know, MPD numbers towards the end of the show. Mortal Kombat has the biggest, is the highest selling game of 2015 thus far. Wow! In all of 2015, like who would have guessed that Mortal Kombat X would suddenly be that popular? And Elvis doesn't even have it. Yeah, and he's a Mortal Kombat fan. I don't get it. Well, uh, well, he's he a fighting game fan, I should say. He hasn't exactly really been home. He's only that's been able to play Batman. That's true. Which looks great. That's another yeah. big. He's going to get the complete collection. Just like oh, for, there's for, always a because Mortal Kombat Nine later on after all the DLC came out, they had a standalone disc that had all the DLC. Injustice did it. Mortal Kombat did it. Uh huh. So it's safe to assume Mortal Kombat X will do it. Yeah, that. Because yeah, I mean, he's still sense. in school for us. So by the time he gets home, instead of playing catch up with all the new characters, he's going to get them all in one bundle. Yeah. Cheaper. Yeah, you know, you know something interesting about arcade games in general. I don't know if Mortal Kombat does this, but I mean, Pokémon Tournament does it. We talked about Blaziken and Mario Kart's doing it, which we'll get to in a sec. But they're now connected to the internet and get post-release almost DLC. They're like Splatoon, like they keep releasing new stuff to them. Like Blaziken's the first of many Pokémon that's being added to Pokémon Tournament. I just think that's very interesting that even arcade games now are being updated constantly. To Wait, keep I thought the game back. wasn't even like, finished. In Jap- yet. But in Japan, it's been, it's out in testing, and they said they're going to start pushing Blaziken out next month. Oh, well, that's what I mean. But even, like, Mario Kart's been out for... Since 2013, I think, and they're doing updates for it. There's new stuff in Mario Kart or KGPDX. They can go to Dave & Buster's and play the new stuff right now on the same machines. They, like, download content to it. It's crazy. Which I guess is a good segue to the second arcade news, which is Mario Kart or KGPDX, biggest mouthful of a name, now has new content. So, like I was saying, um, here in the U.S. and in Europe, the those versions of GPDX are basically getting... All this other stuff from Mario Karts have come out in the time since the arcade game did. So Metal Mario and Rosalina are now playable. The uh, the tracks all have a mirror mode now instead of only some of them. The um, number of carts has jumped from, let me make sure I'm reading this correctly, 22 to 120. What? <laughs> the number of items have gone up from 90 to 150. Like, this is insane. And basically how it works is Bandai Namco, when they or Namco Bandai, whichever you prefer to say, when they put their machines in at the various places, Dave & Buster's, Arcades in Japan, whatever, they said, all right, we're going to do yearly updates for five years. There will be five annual updates. And what we're going to do is you guys, the arcade, the arcades, get to pay for it, but then it will draw people back into your, into your arcade because there's all this new stuff to do. I mean, I think the biggest change they made, which I didn't even mention, is they changed the drifting mechanic completely. 
Mario KGP used to have very strange drifting where you just like you you like double tap the brake and you do one drift and that's it. You still double tap the brake, but now it mimics seven and uh, and um, eight. eight and what's the one in between? No, that's it. Now it mimics seven and eight, and it does the like you know the longer you drift, the different spark the sparks change color and you get a longer boost at the end. Now it does the three step drift just the same way. So now it's more Mario Karty than it ever was. But like that's a very big change, and all they did was download basically a patch to the to the machine. And even like still don't hop, right? Uh, no, they do. If you double tap the brake, basically how it used to be is you hop into the drift, like you go da da with the brake, and then you hop, and then you start drifting. And I think the hop's still there if you hit the double brake, like tap the brake twice. But it's um, yeah, it's. I mean, we never actually really talked about it here on the show, but um, well, actually, before I was gonna say, we should probably give impressions. Of, I mean, you've played GP, I played GP. There's the Dave and Buster's ten minutes from my office. We're there all the time. I play GP a bunch. We should probably talk about it as a Mario Kart game because we never really have but before I get to that it doesn't feel like a Mario Kart game it, does, it will now because of the drifting but yeah all impressions it didn't feel yeah and no I, I, I was about to say it still is very different but before I get to that the one interesting thing is in Japan there one update ahead of us on GPDX so like in the US what they did is they combined the first two updates into one uh, like English release update basically but in Japan they're already on update 3 and that update ready for this online play between multiple arcades you can race people in other cities at different arcades. Hmm. I've never even heard an arcade game. That's kind of cool. That means you I'm don't sure have to like, wait for people to join the booth if you want exactly. to play like, right away. Exactly. It's cool. It's like these games are getting very fully featured and very fleshed out. Like There's definitely kind of like a renaissance going on. Thanks, I think primarily thanks to like things like Dave & Buster's where like us millennial folk are big on like, oh, we, we like drinking and we like video games and we like nostalgia. Here's all three in one place. And obviously, people are bringing their kids. It's the same reason, like, Jurassic World's the third biggest movie of all time now. Nostalgia. The kids that love Jurassic Park are now adults and have their own kids, so it's like double exposure of the same franchise, and they get double the money. I think that's why arcades are coming back in the States to some extent. But, I mean, even, like... And this whole, like, download thing and updating games, like, Time Crisis 5, they have that Dave & Buster's by me. Right now, it's a three-level game, but sometime, I think, next year, they're going to, like, triple the content. So they're almost doing, like, beta releases of arcade machines that they then are expanding on. Like, it's not, like, a testing thing. It's, like, a full finished game. But it ends with stay tuned for more, you know, next year, and it's going to, like, add way more content. So it's, it's interesting. But, um, but, yeah, Mario Kart. So what's your what are your thoughts on that game? Because it's definitely different, like you said. Um, it feels different than normal Mario Kart. I, think, I don't know. I think the best thing to... Let's say to compare it, it feels more like a traditional arcade racer. Yeah. With items. It's like a 90, it's like one of those 90s with Mario racers. It. Like, I wouldn't use the word Mario Kart to describe it at all. I would just say it's like, it's just a racing game with Mario and items. And Pac-Man randomly. And the Tyco drum that you yeah, throw it's just, Yeah, it's just different. Um, it has a different feel to it. I mean, obviously, using a steering wheel and pedals has a huge yeah. impact. Yeah. But um, the steering, like, everything about it just feels different. It's not... As, or I don't think say arcadey, but this is an arcade. It's almost machine. more arcadey. <laughs> it's like it's more of like yeah, it's kind of like that. It's I, it's, I, it's more um, I don't know. Like anyone can literally get grab Mario Kart and be okay at it. This yeah. one I feel has a has a more of a learning curve, which is fine because this one's supposed to be more pick up and play than. Yeah, I, 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 it's then, definitely yeah. not pick up and play. It's very well. It's, they they try to be. That's what's funny is like because how it works is you pick your cart, you pick your character, and that's like you get three. Not of even isn't everything like randomized? You no, the card and character you or the 
character. Yeah, the yeah. You pick the character. You but pick the character. Is... The cart is randomized. You're right. My mistake. And then your item. And then you is get three items too. at random. Like it's like a roulette wheel for those three. So then whenever you run over an item block, it's in the one game, of those three. Yeah, it's always one of those three, and each race is different. So you could tell they're going for like the random party arcade. You know, like pick up and play experience, but then yeah, it's like it also it prevents drives. someone from like mastering out a certain set. It's like, oh, you can't get this card always because yeah. you know you're just going to destroy with it. Yeah, it's, it levels the playing field, and then what's really weird is like as you play it, it feels like you're playing like Cruising World or Cruising USA or like Rush or one of those arcade games. Like, there's even an announcer. Like, there's never an announcer marker, but you know, there's a guy there that's like, oh, and and Luigi's taking the lead, and oh, here comes Yoshi. It's just like <laughs> that never happens in Mario Kart. Like, it's it's an interesting hybrid. I, I think I said a few years ago on the podcast that if Nintendo's lacking content on the Wii U, which, I mean, they kind of are, um, I don't know why they don't port this over and just put it up as an eShop release. Don't even bother with physical if you don't want to. It doesn't, you know, just do it as an eShop thing, and it's different enough from Mario Kart 8 that, like, if you charge 20 bucks for it, people will buy it and play it, and the randomness, they might need to tone that down. I don't know about love it, but <laughs> they might need to tone it down, some of the randomness. Like, you might have to be able to pick a cart. But it could it could be fun. I mean, I enjoy it in arcade. It's really fun in the arcade. You just can't expect you can't go in there expecting to master it because you really can't master it. They purposely put roadblocks there to prevent that. But it's it's still really fun in a random arcadey sort of way. Yeah. But but yeah. So now with the update, it at least feel a little more like Mario Kart because at least the drifting will work more like what we're used to. For better or worse, I mean, yeah. I don't mind. I mean, it's not like I wasn't saying that because it's harder to worse. I mean, it's still really fun. It's just different. But I kind of like that it was different because, I mean, then that means that, oh, if people that are really good at Mario Kart are going to all of a sudden start, like, destroying in this game. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, I, really, I, the I, only difference is you're still drifting the same way. The only difference is if you're good at holding that drift. If you na- hit the corner just right, you get a little extra reward. So I don't know if that's yeah. a thing that... Well, like, it depends. It depends on the track design, but for the most part, like, if you're really good at Mario Kart, you're essentially drifting the entire time. It's true. It's true. But, but what makes <laughs> you're it, not drifting. You're, you're not good at Mario Kart. <laughs> but what, what makes it more difficult with this game, though, is like the tracks are a lot wider, first of all, which actually makes it easier to drift and not screw up. But what makes it a little more difficult, on the other hand, is you're using a pedal and a wheel. Like, there's no drift button. You actually have to, like, hit the brake, and, like, it's a lot more, like, visceral, and you're, like, in it. If you know how to drift in real life, you're pretty good then. Yeah, like, if you, if you like, go do donuts in a parking lot, you're going to master this. <laughs> but... But yeah, it, it is fun. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's just very different. Also, even the graphic style is kind of different. Like, it looked like what Mario Kart... Like, if you play, like, Mario Kart 7 and then see this, you're like, oh, this is what Mario Kart in HD would look like. But then you see Mario Kart 8 and you're like, no, wait, that's what Mario Kart should actually look like. Because this, this one's, like, it almost has, like, a hint of realism that's kind of strange. Like, I don't yeah. know how very... Like, the characters have, like, proportions that look almost too realistic, I guess. Like, Mario in particular has, like very broad shoulders I don't know I know it's a weird specific complaint it's just something that jumped out at me but but it is fun and it's cool because they have like Namco crossovers there's some Namco tracks Pac-Man's playable the drum guy is playable so it's, it's a fun little game it's different but but it's just you know just another example of how Nintendo's coming back to arcades the third of which and probably the one that I never expected to ever say is Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games is getting an arcade game so Sega and Nintendo are working together to bring the uh, 2016 Rio Olympic Games version to arcades. And this is one of those crazy machines. Like, okay, Mario Kart, all right, there's a steering wheel and pedals. Uh, Pokemon Tournament, you're using a tr- controller. This machine for Olympic Games is like those old 90s ones where you're like on the skis and you're like moving back and forth, like your actual body swiveling and that sort of thing. Like for this, how it's set up is um, 
there's these two railings on the side, there's a foot mat on the ground, and then there's these two giant joysticks with buttons on the side. And depending on which sport you do, it looks like a treadmill almost. It looks like a treadmill that has like weird joysticks. But and and to be clear, the the foot area doesn't move; it's just pressure sensitive. So it's not like a full treadmill, but it looks ridiculous. But it also looks kind of fun. Like it does look like one of those '90s like peak of like the cyber station era of like uh, arcades. So. It could be kind of fun. I mean, it's pretty fully featured. You get eight different characters. There's the four Mario mainstays, you know, Mario, Luigi, Peach, Yoshi. You get four Sonic characters. I believe it's Tails, Knuckles, Sonic, and Shadow. And then you get to do different sports. And depending on which sport you do, you use different configurations of all these controllers. And how it works is you pay however many tokens. You get to do three sports back to back to back, and then they rank you based on those three. So it's not a multiplayer experience. It's like a high score deal. But some of the sports, they they sound kind of fun. Like there's a 100-meter dash where you're basically – like launching yourself and then running forward and um you have to kind of like time the jumps you're using i believe your feet to do the running and then you hit the joystick to do the launch so it's kind of like a little one two of that there's a hammer throw where you're like you're pressing the button on the joystick to hold the hammer and then you kind of rotate the stick to swing the hammer and you just let go so you're kind of doing like a wrist mimicking of what the actual motion would be or you could do the javelin throw which is you just kind of run with your feet and then use the right stick to angle the javelin and then kind of flick it and there it goes but perhaps the most interesting and most elaborate is archery where there are nine targets and you're getting more points the better you do and you use the left stick to aim and the right stick to do the bow back like to pull back the bow and shoot the arrow and it's all about like you're using these two sticks to kind of do like a dual it's almost like dual analog controls on a controller but using these giant sticks that are kind of like more engage more visceral i guess more engaging so and kind of like we sports resort when you're doing the archery it's Wii Sports Resort without having to have some weird tethered accessory to the arcade unit, yeah. But I imagine part, but just like, so like that one's a little more elaborate because you actually have to time it. Everything else is just kind of running in place and then flicking things. But like, those are four, well, three of those are pretty different actions and they're all on one machine, which is kind of kind of cool. So I don't know what other sports are going to include, but it's just kind of neat to see Nintendo like this. I think that this game, Mario and Sonic, embodies the idea of, like, Nintendo's back in arcades for real now. Like, it's not... I mean, obviously, they were all over them in the 80s. In the 90s, they started to be less active as arcades started to die in the West. But Japan's always had a huge arcade scene, and now that's growing They have a Rhythm Heaven arcade machine over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They have Rhythm Heaven. Like, in the last, like, five years, they've had so many, if you think about it. And it makes sense, because, you know, arcades are coming back in the West. Dave & Buster's, as we were saying, is, like, a huge thing now. So it kind of makes sense that Nintendo's now jumping back in full force. And, it, and if you think about it, it, it's basically what Nintendo's trying to do with mobile gaming, just in another way. Because like the whole idea of mobile gaming that Nintendo's doing is they want to expose new people to their intellectual properties. They want to potentially get new customers. And they want to give people like a taste of what, you know, of whatever, whatever the experience is like. Like, oh yeah, um, oh this Pokemon thing's fun. I should check out the real game. I really like this Mario Kart. I <laughs> it's nothing like the, the arcade. Game. Yeah, but it's close enough. That, like it sounds like, oh, this is fun. I love Mario Kart. Close and enough. You just have to Well, but you're driving. None, none of the items. combat. Is, no, no, I'm talking about the poking. Oh, poking. To, poking yeah. to like, like, oh, I like, oh, I like this poking thing. I want to get the the 3ds one. Then they and get, it's like then they very get, slow and turn based. Oh, make a ruby. Like, wait, why am I controlling a person? No one wants to be a person. But see, it's kind of like, well, think about it like Pokemon Shuffle. They're bringing that to mobile now, and that's nothing like normal Pokemon, but exposes people to the property. Let's, it reminds them Pikachu's still a thing if they didn't know, and then they're like, oh, maybe I should go check out Pokemon again. Yeah. Or if there's someone new or a little kid, like, I love these characters. I want to have them in my pocket because they're pocket monsters, you see. 
But uh, but yeah, it's very similar to the mobile IP strategy. In fact, it's like exactly the same. They're taking the characters, putting them in something new, attracting new customers, reminding old customers, and the next thing you know, in theory, they're buying 3DSs, they're buying Wii's, they're buying NX's. I mean, there's a couple logic leaps there, but it's that's the path they're going down. So it's kind of the same reason I feel like so many arcades here in the U.S. have like, oh look, it's Doodle Jump, but it's ten times bigger. Or oh hey, come play Fruit Ninja on a seventy, you know, like a forty-five inch screen. Run. Or te- With yeah, a exactly. Track ball. Yeah, because all of those are like, oh well, if you love the game, you're gonna love this, and if you don't know the game, try it out, and then you'll be like, I'm gonna download this and put it in my pocket. Like it's it's a very smart way to expose your brand to other people or people that aren't necessarily gamer centric or may not know your franchise or remember your franchise. So speaking of those, type it's a of very games, specific power play by Nintendo. Yeah, I'm really curious to how much Angry Birds Two is gonna mix it up. Oh yeah, what is going on with that? That like, 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 the, like the way they're hyping it. Like I'm actually like I'm legitimately curious because I mean I did enjoy Angry Birds One for yeah, it's a fun game. Long. It kept me entertained. It was long enough, I mean, but definitely not enough to get me through um, every single version of it. I actually really enjoyed the um, space because that one definitely changed it up. It almost seemed like well, that yeah, could have been the, the anti gravity stuff. Was, but yeah. it seems like they've kind of like they've done. It, it feels like they've done everything. But that's why I find so weird about calling it Angry Birds Two to begin with. Is it's really Angry Birds like twenty seven? Like like they've done so many Angry Birds. Yeah, I mean, but, Seasons but, yeah. just added Seasons, right? And then, I mean, Star Wars seasons added the lightsaber seasons, mechanics and the Force add, mechanics, yeah. which could have easily been, like, Angry Birds superheroes, I mean, if they wanted to. Yeah, and now they've and now they've knocked, you know, now they've done spin-offs. They have, like, the, the girl-friendly one. They have uh, the Transformers crossover. They have Bad The Kings, racing they one? Have, they have the racing, uh, Angry Birds Go. Yeah, the racing one. They, it isn't two. It's like <laughs> it's, it's not it's, two. It's, it's not two. Robio, stop it! It's not two. Now I will say it's totally obvious why they're doing it and calling it two is they have a movie coming out next year, Angry Birds animated movie with an all-star yeah, cast. And with Minecraft and the, kind of yeah. stealing the hearts of every little human Kid. out there. Yeah, um, they definitely they need a reminder. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I see sure kids, Ro- yeah, I mean, I mean, people are still wearing Angry Birds shirts. Some um, there's a lot of campers here that have Angry Birds shirts, but I, I don't see any of them playing Angry Birds. They still play Minecraft. I'm pretty sure that Rovio is freaking out because Minecraft ate their lunch. A lot of them are playing Hearthstone. That's a very popular Really? Is that going to be the next big... Well, how old are these kids? Um, between 10 and 13. Interesting. So, yeah, a lot of them are really into Hearthstone. They've been playing it since the Alpha, most of them. That's something that Nintendo, I wish, did a bit more of. And they, they've said on the pa- in the past that they might start to, but this idea of like... Pre, this idea of like basically letting you try a game before it's finished, like that's and, how Minecraft I mean, got popular. That's how Hearthstone got popular. I'm, I'm sure what also helps Hearthstone a lot is that they make it really easy to earn free packs. I mean, I'm sure you could pay a bu- pay money to buy a lot of them. Yeah. Which is, I mean, at some point if you're really getting into it, it's definitely worth the price. But yeah. um, they still make it so easy to earn. Like you get three little missions every single day. You do them all. And you get enough to buy one pack, and then you do these other things. And they give you another pack. So. Mm-hmm. You could easily expand your library pretty fast, and I'm sure that definitely helps a lot. Especially with little yeah, kids that it, don't it, really have access to money. Right. Except for these kids, oh my god. I mean, they're from all over the world, <laughs> and they come to this camp. But yeah. yeah. And yeah, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, it just seems like games like, like that's the free to start model that works well. And that's something I, I think Nintendo said in an interview they're kind of dabbling in the idea, not free to start, but the idea of like, 
putting out games before they're finished. Like, Xbox is doing that now. I forgot what they're calling it. Game preview, I think, where basically you get to play beta. It's like a Steam Greenlight, essentially. But, like, if Nintendo does that and then has really good free-to-play hooks, they could capture all these kids' imaginations, like, instantly, all over again. Like, it would have to be probably a new property, kind of like how Splatoon has been. But, and Splatoon's kind of doing that. They basically released an unfinished game and then kept rolling out content and they're continuing to do so. And it's working. Like, it's... it's Splatoon keeps popping up in social media every so often because there's some big new thing for it. Like, the Splatfests are pretty huge. Splatoon was trending. Uh, during the last Splatfest, it was trending worldwide on Twitter. So it clearly mm. works. So, like, if Nintendo did that and then just, like, did a free-to-start thing that, like, hooked really well, kind of like, uh, you know, Minecraft, Hearthstone, any of that, it could be very, very big. So since Pikmin, they haven't had anyone else besides Mallow, Dylan, and the Inklings, right? As far as new IPs? Oh, Steam World. Punk. Steam. Codename uh, Steam. Codename Steam. They have Codename Steam. They have Pikmin. They have, well, they have the Miis. They have Tomodachi Life. And they have Push. Yeah, they have Pushmo. They have (laughs) Suck. What was it? Soccer. The the Samurai. Oh, Soccer Samurai. I keep wanting to say Soccer Eye Samurai, but yeah, Soccer Samurai. (laughs) They, but yeah, they haven't done a ton of, they have, uh. Most of them for 3DS. Curse Splash or whatever. Block Boy. (laughs) Uh, they have Bit, yeah, Chris Bluch. They have uh, Block Boy. They have Kessel's Corridors. Yeah, which was just Chris Bluch with a better name, uh, wasn't it? Weren't they both like slide through the whole puzzles? Um, Chris Bluch was just get through the obstacles. He didn't really just slide through the whole song. Oh, that's right. That's right. This one was like make match the shapes, kind of like the yeah. super puzzle, whatever that we played on the Morpheus. Oh, like super Comic-Con. hyper puzzle cube block insanity mega time or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah, that that one. <laughs> yeah, it's um, but yeah, if Nintendo took any of those, or even just made a new thing, or even adapted a current character franchise, whatever, into one of those situations, I think it could be big for them. Hmm. Like it, it's I have a feeling that's kind of what they're trying to do with mobile, because you know, before he passed, I while I kept making all these comments about like, oh yeah, we're doing games that are made for mobile, we're doing games that will appeal to mobile. It's good. We're only gonna do a few because we want them to do super well, and we don't want them to be flash in the pan. We want to be long term. We're thinking long term. Yep. So we want to stay could, at the top of the chart. So yeah, it's on top of that MPD. Yeah, speaking of business, that's a good way to transition. Um, yeah. So Jason Sales Corner, we're already talking business. Let's just dive Feels right like in. We haven't, done um, in a while. we haven't. The last time there were sales was 1952 and no the last time there were sales it was um i think it was during e3 so we just kind of lumped into our e3 analysis but yeah this is um for those who may not know mpd tracks u.s sales figures and we are going to talk about the five-week period that they're calling june from may 31st to july 4th or something like that um so in those five weeks the industry actually had a rare treat of having hardware software and accessory sales all go up at the same time which these days is not that common uh, software was probably the most impressive thing that went up. It grew by 24% year over year. So this June had 24% better sales than last June. And that was driven by the likes of Batman Arkham Knight, which came in the number one spot and had the second best launch of any game in 2015, only behind Mortal Kombat X, which, as I mentioned, was already the best-selling game in 2015 thus far. So what's interesting is that both of those games are published well, by... Mario Dem- Maker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mario Maker's going to knock it out of the park. <laughs> I can't say it. Sure fits. But uh, it will do well, but it's not going to do that well. But what's interesting is uh, Mortal Kombat and Batman are both WB games, who also had the number three game in June, Lego Jurassic World. So together, they have... um, With their powers combined? Yeah, they have risen their sales by... Risen their sales? Their their sales have gone up by 217% year over year. 
That's a lot of money. They quadrupled? <laughs> tripled? Tripled. They tripled their sales year over year, and they have some of the best-selling games of the year. Like, WB Games was like nobody a few years ago, and now they have three of the biggest sellers of the year, um, which is kind of kind of insane. Uh, for after Nintendo itself, it performed pretty well. Splatoon came in fifth place on the chart in June, which is impressive given that it's the only single platform release that was on the charts at all, on the top ten whatsoever, so that's cool. And it actually did better in June than it did in May. In June, it sold 290,000 units, which now pushed, has now pushed its U.S. total to almost half a million at 455,000. And worldwide, the game has already surpassed a million units. That actually happened right before Iwata passed away, so it's kind of interesting that like he got to see his new IP actually do well. And yeah, but uh, yeah, so the game sold has sold over a million worldwide. We, meanwhile, here in the U.S. alone, Mario Kart 8 has passed two million copies sold in a year. So for a Wii U game. That's not bad at all. And Super Smash Bros., in case you want an update on that, uh, the Wii U and 3DS versions combined are the number 10 best-selling game in the United States for the first half of 2015, with, again, Mortal Kombat X being the number one overall. So, not bad for Nintendo. Where things aren't quite as good is hardware. So, officially, officially Nintendo is only saying that uh, through the first six months of 2015... Combined sales of Wii U and Nintendo 3DS have gone up by more than 20%. That's of hardware. And more specifically, sales of the 3DS hardware have increased by more than 40% if you look at the sales for the first part of this year versus the sales from the first part, the same part of last year. Now, that wording, which is theirs, uh, suggests to me that actually the 3DS is kind of sucking at the moment, and they're trying to ride off the momentum from earlier in the year when they launched the new 3DS XL. Because if it was doing so great, wouldn't they say, hey, sales are up from this June to last June? Instead, they're like, well, if you calculate the last six months, which happened to include new hardware, it just so happens to be 40% higher than if you look at a year ago's six months where we didn't have new hardware. Like, they're definitely bucketing it in just the right way so it sounds positive. We unfortunately this month don't have official 3DS numbers or even leaked 3DS numbers, so we kind of have to run with their spin. But it does sound like they're definitely massaging the numbers to work out for them. Same with Wii U, because they're like, yeah, Wii U and 3DS combined are up 20%. Isn't that in 2015? Isn't that great? Yes, when 3DS is driving it and Wii U is just kind of lumped in. If you take out Wii U, it's actually not doing quite as well. Like on its own, we do have leaked numbers for this one, and on its own, it sold 70,000 in, in the five-week June period. Which compared to last month, compared to May, that's pretty good. It was up two-thirds sales-wise. Can't complain about that. But if you compare it to June of 2014, it was down by 50%. Now, a year ago, they had Mario Kart 8, which obviously boosted sales significantly. So on that hand, like it kind of makes sense that I'd be down because Splatoon is no Mario Kart, even though it's doing quite well. But still, if it's down 50% year-over-year, I don't think it's contributing much to that 20% jump in Wii U and 3DS combined. Like, it just, it has to be, I would imagine it's down overall for the year. Which, again, given that they don't have any major releases outside of Splatoon, until Mario Maker isn't that surprising. But And they're definitely kind of riding it out at this point. But um, what is kind of worth knowing is that if the system's down 50%, I think it's safe to say that Splatoon is mostly selling to existing Wii U owners not new people buying the console for Splatoon. Of course, there are exceptions to that, and of course, that's kind of an obvious statement because clearly Nintendo fans who would play Splatoon are Nintendo fans who already own a Wii U and play Smash and Mario Kart and whatnot. But if sales are going down while Splatoon's doing well, that 
that seems like it implies that it's mostly going to people who already own the system, not attracting new people. And anecdotally, I have seen a lot of leftover Splatoon Wii U bundles at Best Buy, which again, okay, I looked at three Best Buys in my area, clearly that's true of all of them. No, it's not, but, but you know, just... You you kind of get the sense that Splatoon. I got really test. The Best Buy we visited here did have some bundles. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of just sitting around. Mm-hmm. So like, it's definitely a, a game. Of, yeah, yeah. There were like six at the one by my office, but it's definitely like a game that's Splatoon's a game targeted at Nintendo fans who are the type of people that already own all the system and all these other games, which is great. If there's you know there's nine point five four million people that own Wii U's as of March, so or as of June, no March. So. um or maybe it was June. Either way, there's nine. There's about 10 million people that own Wii U. So that's 10 million potential sales for Splatoon, which is great for new IP, but it's not really going much beyond that bubble, I guess. So, um, so there's that. Now, there's one way the Wii U may be able to turn around, and that is with Mario Maker. We were joking it might be a big seller a few minutes ago, but honestly, it might be a big seller. <laughs> like, think about the nostalgia that plays into you, because you know, hey, you love Mario. Now look, you can make your own Mario level. Like That's a big thing. And <laughs> for the first time for ever. For the first time ever outside of an NES emulator. But, um, yeah, no, that could be a big seller. And if Nintendo's smart, they're going to market it really heavily. And I think they're being smart because they're already starting to market it really heavily. I don't know if you saw um, that Nintendo did a whole... They did a whole episode of Food Network's Cake Wars, which is like people compete to make cakes. And that's an actual show on television. And... Uh, Mario Maker was the theme of the episode. This past Monday, they did a whole episode based around Make a Cake about Mario Maker. And, like, they had Krista from the Nintendo Minute. She was, like, one of the judges, and they, it was, like, a whole thing. It was, like, a full hour-long show about Mario Maker. And then separately, uh, this week, I think on Wednesday, they're doing a hackathon at Facebook, which is a very normal thing for Facebook. These hackathons, if you're not in the tech world too much, a hackathon is basically the idea of like you get your employees together, you give them like 24, 48 hours, you say go wild, come up with crazy stuff, and they make these crazy things, and then some of the stuff actually becomes good is good enough that Facebook would say or whoever every company every Silicon Valley company does this, but it's good enough that they say you know what this is actually something we want to make into a real product. That's how a lot of Facebook's more quirky features end up coming into existence, is people just hacking them together for fun. So they're doing a hackathon on Wednesday. But instead of doing it for Facebook, they're doing it for Mario Maker. Nintendo's going to bring to these Facebook employees the E3 demo and say, make levels go crazy. And then some Facebook execs and Nintendo folk are going to pick one level that will be released as post-launch DLC for free. So that's kind of like, oh, whatever, Facebook's making a level. But that's like a Pandora's box of awesome opportunities. Like imagine if they had all these big names make levels for a game. You'd have an endless stream of content and endless marketing if they start having like – you know, because if, if Nintendo advertises like, you know, play levels by the minds behind, you know, by like the creators of Facebook and all these, and like the creators of like the, I don't know, the Lego movie, or like they could get all these people to make levels. And even just in the gaming world, let's say like, maybe they I can't mean, get Beyonce to make a level, but, you know, was, they can get, I remember, yeah. oh, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, like I remember they did something similar for Gaming Warrior, like, like, oh, here's the... You mean WarioWare DIY? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Wario... WarioWare DIY where they had like oh here's the creator of um, Bitching Runner making a WarioWare yep. minigame or here's the one that's from where Super- I was going yeah the one that's from where Super my thought Meep, was going. the one from I forgot what other game I mean sure like there were like bite type things that were nothing like the actual game but it was still cool to be like whoa this game was actually made by that guy yeah exactly yeah yeah cause they I think like I think the potential is there. I mean, they're, like I said, they're not going to get like Beyonce or someone probably, but they could very easily be like... I mean, could Beyonce really make a really good level? No, but they could have we someone do it in her name. <laughs> or maybe she could. You're right. You're right. Or Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. 
But uh, <laughs> they go to their old like elementary school days notebook, and they actually had a level they designed while they were on like, graph bo- paper, bo- like the <laughs> Mario level they were made <laughs> while they were bored at school. So that would be the that'd be level crazy. design ever. That'd be really funny. But uh, but yeah, no, like I was gonna say, like they could get game developers. They can get all the Nindy developers, Renegade Kid, Image Inform, all those like staple Nindy developers to make levels for this. They can get like Will Wright to make a level. They could get Warren Spector to make a level. They could get like high profile gaming folk involved. They could get Charles Martinet to make a level. They could get, you know, like they could get YouTube celebrities. They love their YouTube celebrities now. They get I Justine and Lamar what's his name and just like they could the Smosh guys. They can have endless content for this game and it all doubles as free marketing. It's kind of brilliant. Like this, I think this Facebook thing is just the first step, and what's going to be, yeah, standing ovation for Nintendo. No, I think this first step is uh, with Facebook is literally a first, a first step that's going to lead to much bigger, crazier campaigns. It just makes sense. Like, I don't know, it just seems so perfect because it works on so many levels. More content, levels. more marketing. Yeah. Oh, more. It works on so many levels. <laughs> that was not intentional, but it should have been. Um, but yeah, so that, that's I think Mario Maker is going to be a big seller for Nintendo, and then of course as we go into the fall, sales will get interesting. July NPD is probably going to be pretty dead. August NPD is not going to be that exciting. But yeah, once we hit the fall and Mario Maker in September, that's when things are going to step up. And remember, Mario Maker comes out not on September 11th, but on 11th of September because Nintendo does not want to release it on 9/11, so they instead releasing it on 11th of 9. Mm. I just find it so amusing that they every trailer. Every piece of marketing for Mario Maker, it says 11th of September. Every other, ga- uh, every other day- game they release goes month day. This one goes day month because they're trying to avoid it. Instead of just, you know, releasing it on a different day. But, but anyway, a yeah, so that's MPD. Yeah, either a week later or like, yeah, I guess a week later. Well, I mean, didn't they already later. give their reasoning? Yeah, because Mario's anniversary is actually the 13th of September. So, I mean, I see what they're doing. It's just kind of funny that they have to keep tiptoeing around 9-11, which is understandable. They don't want to well, be like, then, then, hey, then, on the anniversary of a terrorist attack, here's some Mario. But that's then, then it kind of makes as much sense to just release it a week later. They could use the same logic. Like, oh, we released yeah. it. Yeah. It's the same, wor- it's the same calendar week because yeah. the 13th is a Sunday, so they could have done the next Friday. But whatever whatever Nintendo and I'm oh, speaking of that same day that same 9-11 they're releasing uh, the 30th anniversary Mario uh, Amiibo as well oh yeah so you know what's confusing about that press release is that I was reading it and they're like we're releasing the Mario Ami- the 30th anniversary Mario Amiibo that same day and I was like wait both of them or one of them you don't Amiibo is both singular and plural and I don't know if you're releasing them simultaneously because in Europe they're coming out a month apart in the US they said Amiibo and that's all they said. I don't know if that's single or plural. I, I don't think it's clear anywhere in the press release. <laughs> so it's just like, which, which, which is it? Is it both? So I guess we'll find out. It'll be a fun fun grab bag of Amiibo. But yeah, so that, that's pretty much it for Jason Sales Corner and for news. But um, before I get to what we've been playing, you were watching something. What you've been watching is probably a better way to put it because you were pretty tuned into Evo last weekend, right? And what an Evo it was. Yeah, how how was it? Because I'm not I'm not huge on the competitive game scene, as some that listen may know. But you you're much more into it. So yeah, there, this, is, good this year is like this year? my yeah, like you're Super about... Bowl World Cup. I guess it's more of a World Cup because we do get competitors from all over the world. This is like yeah, this is the time when like you could pretty much say like you're the best in the world. Yeah, for the most part, as close as you can get to that without actually traveling everywhere. Right. But, right. So how how was it? But in in, in a nutshell, it was crazy. It was um. A lot of upsets. Um, Smash Brothers was definitely very controversial because it involved customs. But then they allowed customs, really. Yeah, of all that's 
very surprising to me. The highest end tournament you could possibly get without customs. And of course, you saw like Pikachu using his little infinite combo that you can't escape from because that's something you can only do with customs. And that made the top eight. But, um, That's insane that they love customs. I'm still stuck on that part. Like, a lot of the top players like, hate customs and still do, even though... They're not as balanced as normal non-customs because no, they're custom. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, because like, what I think... Um, That's really weird. A lot of people forget to mention or even bring up is that um, one of the reasons um, you're not even allowed to use customs online is because Sakurai... Like, when they were making customs, they literally threw them in there for fun. Like, he didn't even bother, like, really balancing them. He was just like, here, you know, you know what? Here's these customs. Let's just make it as fun as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they clearly weren't meant for competitive play, just, like, to spruce up the game overall in general. So yeah, they use them. variety, really. Yeah, like, like if they re- I mean, if he really wanted to balance them out, like, we would have been able to use them online. Mm-hmm. But, um, but in, in spite of all that, um, like, Zero, um, I think his name is, I forgot his name. But everyone was losing anyway. The scarf, the scarf guy. Yeah, scarf guy. Yeah, it's zero. Yeah, he ended up winning anyway. He ended up winning anyway. Like the top, I think two or three players were like people that didn't even use customs and don't like customs anyway. Uh huh. And, and interestingly, um, this is zero's I think forty third tournament in a row since the game came out that he won. He hasn't lost a wow. single tournament. He also hasn't lost a game. He didn't lose a game in the set. Like you usually play two out of three in Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. All of his games were two zero. Or three zero, mm-hmm. he didn't. He never went three one or whatever. And I don't. know, I mean, it was interesting to see. Like, oh, I think the best part of just Smash Brothers Wii U in general was the variety. Before you would see a lot of like, oh, half the cast is Sheik, half the cast is Diddy. Whenever you see these tournaments, but yeah, in the top eight, you had seven different characters. Two of them were Sheik, but you had a Zero Suit, you had a Rosalina. Forget what else you have because. Oh, they had, oh yeah, you had a Wario, you had a Pikachu. I mean, it was it was cool, and you see a lot of weird combos and what have you. Yeah, that, that's one thing I saw on Twitter was a lot of people were commending the fact that people are actually being creative and using different characters, not everyone just being yeah. like like you said, being chic or whoever. Like it actually made for more interesting. Yeah. Viewing. <laughs> and Melly, I mean, it, Melly was also kind of exciting because you had um, Hungry Box, the guy known for playing Reggie, um, and his and. Being a jerk to Reggie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his Jigglypuff almost took Evo, which would have been pretty interesting instead of another yeah. Fox or Mars. Yeah. Or Sheik. But, I don't know, like, like yeah, like, Melly is still really huge and big in the competitive scene of Smash Brothers, but... Well, the views yeah. for Melee were bigger than the views for Wii U. Like, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know, the game is just so old. This feels like... Why is it still... Like well, you know the game of the game of football dates back to the 1800s. People still watch the Super Bowl. No, well, I mean, like as far as I, I'm, I knew, I I'm, knew sure, I'm sure a lot. Of, yeah, I mean, it's different in video games. Like you don't see Evo still holding up Mortal Kombat Nine, even though it's up. I know, Kombat I know. 10, I just can't resist. Or every Pirate Street Fighter, for that matter. Yeah, it's like Smash Brothers is unique in that sense. I mean, if you just look at registrations, they kind of doubled. Mm-hmm. They doubled the participation of Evo people in general. Yeah. It, yeah, but Street Fighter was interesting as always. Um, what's his name? Can we talk it, about that Guilty Gear moment? Oh, where the guy stood that up was, thinking I that he won the that. whole thing. And, yeah, so for those who didn't losing it, the whole thing because he stood up. Yeah, for those who didn't see it, he did like a combo or whatever, and then he's like, oh, I got this. He basically mic dropped the controller and then got up, put his hands up, and then immediately the other guy's like, uh, I'm still fighting. He just killed him. 
Yeah. It was like the funniest. No mercy. I, that's yeah. That was like that was the only thing from Evo I saw, and I was like, this can't. Like I don't know how Guilty Gear works, like mechanics of it, but I could tell when he was doing the attack, the other guy was not dead yet. Like I could tell, and I don't know anything about Guilty Gear. <laughs> and then he still, uh, yeah, it was. That's one for the. That's one for the books right there. Yeah. But it was just and, so like if you haven't seen the clip, people listening, go find it online. It's it's incredibly amusing. I feel bad for the dude, but it's really funny. Oh, yeah, that, that must have been devastating. Yeah. He and looked I'm, so, like, upset. Like, he was trying to laugh it off, but he could tell he was really upset. Yeah. And I guess just uh, as far as Street Fighter goes, um, I think the longest match... That was... Right before um, Grand Finals, there was a match between someone called Gamer B and Infiltration, two, like, renowned players. Uh-huh. And their match had to be 3 out of 5... And they probably maxed out the time because it's 99 seconds per match in Street Fighter. Right. Like, for every single match. Like, for they went to game five. Every single game, every single, like, round was, like, Street Fighter runs on two out of three within each game. Uh-huh. And they always, like, went to, like, three seconds left. Like, every game was either a timeout or they won by, like, the last punch on the last second. It was just so, like, nail-biting, like, edge of your seat. Like, oh, my God, he's about to win. Oh, he healed at the very last second. Oh, he won, like, by, like, a pixel of health. I don't know, just... That sounds like some very good viewing. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like the perfect way to watch a fight. And then then you see their expressions, and they're like, okay, um, Chun-Li isn't working. All right, who am I going to switch to? Oh, I switch to to Jury. All of a sudden, like, he's kicking ass, and then... Oh, and then the other guy switches to to another character, and then he starts winning, and then, I don't know, it it was crazy. It was was awesome. Yeah, that sounds like the most intense, like, the best way to watch something like that. It's got to be as as intense as possible. And it's actually the first year I didn't really keep up with Marvel vs. Capcom. That game is just, um, I don't know, it, even if like there were new players this time around, like the usual suspects like Justin Wong, Filipino champ, Chris G, like they didn't make it to top 8, though mm-hmm. they're usually the ones that always win it. This time there was like different people altogether, but I feel like we've seen so much Marvel vs. Capcom and the game doesn't update, it hasn't changed at all for the last like two years or three years mm-hmm. so it kind of feels like we've seen everything at least Street Fighter like keeps getting patches and fixes so like characters like move up and down and I don't know it keeps it fresh right kind of like how Smash Bros does with its updates where it will nerf someone or yeah. someone well it doesn't really make anyone better but it nerfs others so others well, it definitely right. does make some people better They've, I mean, does it? has it? Who, who has actually like what characters actually improved from it? I thought it was more like the other ones fell down a few pegs so someone else no no so, so some people definitely got buffs like Ike has gone up significantly I mean a lot of people still don't really use him in competitive play right. but like he's not considered like oh you're using Ike like I mean all of his attacks got like they do more damage Bowser's attacks get more range now it's oh, interesting. Like I, I didn't realize they went up. I thought it was only, like, nerfing things. Interesting. I mean, whether it's a coincidence or not, um, almost every character that Zero uses and wins with has been getting, like, nerfed significantly. Like, he's won the last two tournaments with Diddy, and Diddy's been getting, yeah. like, nerfed consistently. Yeah. And he took the last game of this tournament with Diddy. So he's, like, wondering if he's going to get nerfed again. Sakurai was watching, so... Was he? he yeah, so he, so, so he knows um, Sheik is... A threat, for lack of a better term. Interesting. I didn't know Sakurai. I mean, like, I know, like, Ono of Street Fighter is there every year. Like, there, physically. But I didn't know Sakurai kept tabs on us. Oh, yeah, he definitely does. That definitely legitimizes it even more than it already is. I mean, I know Nintendo's there, but the fact that the creators, like... Like, Nintendo was there in Force at Evo. They had a Splatoon... They're really pushing Splatoon to become an eSport. Like, they had a whole land set up at, at, uh, at Evo. You know, like, four eight-on-eight battles. Or, sorry, two... 
four on four eight person battles they have like they were putting out trailers that were like filling it also like an esport like they're really pushing it but I didn't expect the creator of Smash Bros to also be like that gung ho about it. that's cool that's really cool well I don't know if he's like gung ho about it because he kind of talks but I mean he watched like it, yeah but, but, but I mean, if he, he didn't like it he went yeah, he, 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 he acknowledges it I guess he's just like oh I don't like that they're playing my game like this but I'll admit that it definitely does take a lot of skill to be this good at it that's pretty much yeah that's, what, that's kind of what I'm saying like he the fact that he's willing to watch it not just like going I'm not having anything to do with this <laughs> the fact that he's like actually engaged in it in some way legitimizes Evo just that much more yeah and like I said I think he's just he's catering to the intermediate players specifically yeah yeah which makes the most sense I mean yeah his reasoning yeah. I, I wouldn't question it yeah. I'll just, I'll just play like what, the, I'll, it's like the median of the extremes yeah I'll just play whatever yeah, it's presented. Yeah, it's, it's a backdrop discussion we've had in the past. Like, however you play your game, however you're enjoying the game is how it's meant to be enjoyed because you're enjoying it. Yep. Maybe next year yeah. I'll be going to Evo. I suspect. Or you think you're gonna go? When is it next year? Is it during Comic Con? Is it good butt up? Hopefully not. I mean, Comic Con is next year. Well, so. then it probably means it won't be. Or not know. late, but the old usual third week of July. Mm. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully not. If, if not, then I mean, streaming Twitch on iPhone is always good. Or yep. whatever. Yeah. YouTube gaming, I bet, is going to have a big presence next year. Yeah, or that, too. I mean, they're both good streaming options. Yeah, actually, I don't know. Maybe Evo signed a deal with Twitch. Either way, either way. It sounds like Twitch, or Twitch, sounds like Evo was good this year. Yep. yep. And then you've also been playing something. I would have been playing Splatoon, and we've already talked about Splatoon, so I have nothing to say. But Splatfest is very fun. But you have played something new that just came out that our episode is themed after, which is Binding of Isaac Rebirth. It's also something old that we've also been well that I've also. That's true. It's new and old at the It's new for Nintendo platforms. Has it really changed for the world? Except, yeah. But anyway. Well, except glitches. But yeah, glitches. Yeah. So so how is Isaac? Um, just how it was. <laughs> just <it's> glitches. <laughs> um. So for those that don't know, Binding of Isaac Rever- Rebirth is a, I guess, randomly generated. Zelda old school yeah, Zelda esque rogue game where yeah, a roguelike rogue like game that you have to go room to room clearing all the enemies on the screen before you can proceed to the next room to clear all the enemies in the screen so that you could uh, go to the boss room and go down I guess until you're like down to hell you're going through levels and every level you progress you're going lower and lower into the earth presumably because you're jumping down shoots like little doors or trap doors and I guess like the hook for the game is like the randomization. Like you there are tons of bosses that they also added in this game. Even like from the first binding of Isaac, like the look has changed. This is like a It's an H D remake. Yeah, it's like a thirty yeah, it's like a pixelized version of what the original one was. Mm-hmm. They've added um and every boss is just um really There's over fifty of them. Yeah, they're I have the fact sheet in front of me. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just the design of the game is just like very like dark, gloomy, creepy, gory. Yeah, it's kind. Of, yeah, it has kind of like a cartoony so gore. To could it. definitely be off-putting for many. I mean, like a lot of the monsters like literally are like giant poos with faces. A lot of them are like giant naked-looking fat bodies that pee as an attack or it's an adult swim show turned into a video game (laughs) that's kind of it's like the weirdness of adult swim distilled into like this bizarre zelda game yeah kind of and i guess what's really cool about this game is just how they combine items like every floor you go to and every bossy bee earns you like an item that you equipped you every every game starts you with just your basic tears because isaac is literally crying to attack he's shooting tears out of his eyes 
And oh, when you said tears, I think meant like levels. <laughs> like no, no, tears. Like, like, like actual like, crying tears. Yeah, yeah. Tears. crying tears, yeah, because he's sad. Yeah. And like your first level, you may get like, oh, you got um, chocolate milk. So now he shoots the chocolate milk out of his eyes and you could charge the chocolate milk to shoot bigger blasts of chocolate milk. As and, you do. And then when you beat the boss, you may get like a little whip, which makes you shoot your chocolate milk twice as fast. So you're just shooting a lot faster. Or maybe later you get, um, I guess, um, you, you get... Um, the crown of thorns and then that makes you cry blood and then it's more damaging and then you later you get wings it's like combinations are just really crazy sometimes like and some things work with others like you could get homing tears but then all of a sudden you get a little meteor that makes all your tears home but also like revolve around you while there is no enemy so you're kind of like creating a little gravitational field around you I don't right. know there's just so many different combinations like you may not even see all of them you probably and won't. According you to definitely won't, sheet, because there's so many items and... 450 plus. Yeah, and that doesn't sound... <laughs> I mean, that's a ton for this game, because you die... The game is also notoriously difficult, as most of, I guess, the only other Team Meat games are. Yeah. Like Super Meat Boy. Um, it's just as tough, but it's also just as addicting. Like, once you, do, once you die, you can just jump right back in. But you do start from the very beginning. There are no continues. The very beginning of the game, or of the dungeon that you're in? Or game. the room that you're in. Wow, that's, that's I mean, tough. Well, yeah, but the game could be beaten in, like, maybe 30 minutes at most. Oh, okay, okay. It's one of those games that has, like, a ton of endings. Like, you could just... There's definitely more to the story. On a, there's a way deeper level to the story. Like, you could be taken on a surface level. Like, oh, it's just Isaac running away from his mom, and in the end, fighting his mom. But the right. more you play it, the more you start uncovering the pieces, and there's like a little lore to it that you can dive into if you really want to. That's pretty cool. That's in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, It's really fun. It's definitely unlike. It's similar to a lot of games, but it's also unlike any other game I played, and it definitely references a lot of games. Like you get the little Minecraft axe, or you get like the Super Mario mushroom that makes you big, or like right. stars. I don't know. Like it's it's really cool. It's. Really, if you want a challenge and you want a game that will just keep you busy for a long time, especially if I think this game is better suited for 3DS as a portable mm-hmm. game than for a console game. But right now, there's a lot of bugs. Like there's like invisible walls. Like there's a music bunch of cuts games. out, right? Yeah, but um, they already have like a patch in the works. It's just getting approved by Nintendo, so mm-hmm. that's not that big of a concern. You could just wait a little bit, but. I mean, I would definitely recommend it, especially if you're not put off by the presentation or the heavy religious references or what have you. There's some tongue-in-cheek references on the religious, on the religion side, but well, like they're kind of well, not tongue-in-cheek, but they're kind of poking at it more than. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, the game is. I mean, not not so even so much references. I mean, the game kind of revolves around it. Yeah. Like I mean, like there's like you make deals with the devil. You. You can the holy bible and like everything like they're all items and there's angel rooms and I don't know it's definitely I mean the cross is an item I don't right. know how much of it was censored if at all by Nintendo right. which is pretty cool I love that uh, part that they did for April Fool's where yeah. they said like oh everything was censored but nothing yeah. is for my no, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that this game like is out I mean I'm hoping this means that future team games will come out I mean, it'd be cool if Super Meat Boy ever made it out. I mean, I already beat it, but I wouldn't mind playing it again or revisiting it. Maybe Mugenics, if that game ever gets done. I suspect if this sells well, we'll see the others. Because, I mean, it, it's 15 bucks for either the Wii or the 3DS version. And to be clear, it's new 3DS only, not regular 3DS. 
But assuming those do well, I don't see why they wouldn't release it. Because, you know, 15 bucks for this game is pretty decent price. Like, it's not a rip-off by any means. So if it's oh, no, it's, you're, you're definitely first. getting your money's worth. Yeah. Although, it's worth mentioning, the, um, the there's Wii challenges, version there's multiple, there's a lot of multiple mode. characters that start you with, like, different combinations. Like, there's one character. Like, Isaac is just neutral. Like, you just have your tears and normal health. Yeah. There's... Another there's character that starts with like one more health and a different item. There's another here that's there's another character that starts with like more powerful attacks and maybe different. Item. I don't know. There's everything always feels different. It's definitely one of those games where each run is unique and who knows what you'll find and you'll be really yeah. excited sometimes with a good run or sometimes really disappointed with a horrible run. Yeah. yeah, and also there's the co-op mode at least on the Wii U version. Is it? I'm not even sure if it's in the 3DS version. I'm not sure if they programmed no, it. No, it's. It, I don't think so. But it's in the Wii U one. Yeah, you just take another controller and then you spawn a little baby. Which yeah, you control on your own. Takes up a heart. I mean, it's it's fun. It's there. It's um. Yeah. It doesn't feel overpowering. I mean, it helps, but you do the main character does lose a heart, and if Isaac dies, then you both lose because Isaac's the main one you have to take care of. Right, right. But, yeah. So it's kind of yeah. it's kind of like some of the co-op games Nintendo does, where player one is really the player and player two is just kind of an extra hand. Yeah, and. It says that this one has more content. I'm assuming um, that's what the... Because right now there's Binding of Isaac Rebirth, but there's a DLC pack eventually coming to the Steam version called Afterbirth, uh-huh. which I would assume is the extra content that comes with the Wii U and 3DS version. You know, it, I'm looking at the press release right now. It doesn't actually say that by name, but you might be right. Oh, yeah, Either way, would you say even without that extra content, still worth the 15 Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah easily. I mean... The original game I thought was already worth that price, and mm-hmm. Rebirth like tripled like that amount with everything. So, yeah, yeah, right. And it runs at a nice sixty frames per second on Wii U in HD, and 3DS obviously has the 3D display. Yep, it's a good game. So, it's a good game. Yeah, Team Meat. Like I Team Meat knows what they're doing. Out. See, I, n- I never bought it because like I didn't have anything to play it on. I guess my Mac, but but now like I really can. I have a system, two systems I can play it on. I should check it out. It seems like the kind of game you would definitely play because I mean, it's like it's, you could definitely play it in short bursts. Burst. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it sounds very fun. Um, it is important to note that while I did say that there are no continues, I mean, you're essentially doing it in one run. Like sometimes you do get an item like a life mushroom, which right. will like do what it does. It will give you an extra life, so you do have those continues, but. It's random, so you may not always get it or ever. Right. You're not. You don't guarantee. There's not a continued system. There's yeah, a chance but of, yeah. But you also can like press start and like exit and then continue from where you left off. So while you can't, if you die, you can't continue from where you left off. Normally, you can't you like, to, pause the game because the first right. one, you had to do it in that one setting. If you exited out, you couldn't go back in. But rebirth kind of alleviated that. <laughs> yeah, rebirth fixed that by actually putting st- saves. Yeah, saves. Not save states, just saves. Save. Yeah. Multiple saves, actually. According three. To the press yeah. Yeah. It's just three slots, but yeah. Yep. But yeah, so it sounds like a sounds like a solid game to fill the void this summer since there's not a whole lot of new content. I mean there's stuff coming up. I think um I think next week Zero Drifter is uh coming to Wii U and there's some other stuff on the horizon. And it's also so. cross by, so Yes, it is cross by. That is true. I kinda wish Binding of Isaac was, but I can understand why it isn't. Yep. Being that Nintendo just didn't do it, but it would have been nice if it was. Or developers want thirty bucks. For no, they said that um, it was really different and really hard to like said make it for each day. They have to be like customly. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, like the three DS one, they basically had to build from the ground up with three D. So that that makes sense. 
Like, it can't run on the same engine and the same HD graphics as, like, the Wii U, Xbox, and PS4 versions. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're up to the contest stuff now. Unless there's anything else you want to say about mm-hmm. Isaac. All right, so go check that, that game out, folks. And we, speaking of eShop games, we're giving away SteamWorld Dig, as you know. We have our two winners to announce. So as we wrap up the episode, we'll launch a summer giveaway series stuff here. So the winners of SteamWorld Dig... There are two of you that won out of all the entries. Thanks to everyone who entered. Appreciate it. And we hope you enjoy the game. And the winners are, uh, I'll just say their Twitter names, at Magic Troopa and at 202 Skaters. So the two of you should look out for a direct message from your Nintendo in the next, shortly after this podcast goes live, in the next day or so. And we will hit you up to get your, uh, to get you your codes and they can check out the game. And for everyone else who didn't win, it's still summer. We're, st- we're still doing our summer giveaway series, and this next prize is a big one. It is a Smash Bros. Wii U DLC bundle that includes Ryu and his stage, Lucas, Roy, and Dreamland. You get all that DLC for free from us, and all you got to do is leave a comment in the section under this episode and on the blog, episode 103 in a bind, and tell us your favorite Smash Bros. character. That's it. And then maybe you have a new favorite once you get the DLC. But until then, just tell us your favorite Smash Bros. character. That's all you need to do. Alternatively, we, as we've been doing all for the summer giveaways, we will also be tweeting it. A special designated tweet that will say, like, retweet. Follow and retweet to win. And it will be that tweet. That will be going up a little later this week. So you can either retweet that tweet. You can enter on the site. Or you can do both. You get one entry for each. So go nuts, people. Uh, it's actually a pretty good, good prize. It's a pretty cool prize. So we hope you enjoy. And we hope you win. Yeah, stay uh, tuned. Maybe there's another Amiibo later. Yeah, there we have. We are going strong for the rest of the summer. So we might have another Amiibo. We might have more games to give away. We might have unicorns. Two of those three statements are true, and one is false. I'll let you figure out which. Uh, but yeah, the premise does it for this episode. So, so to make sure you don't miss a contest, make sure you don't miss a next episode, or so you know if you won. Follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. That's how you enter as well. Uh, and also subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. So you don't miss anything. Um, our next episode is going to be coming back on our regular schedule of every other Sunday on August 9th. So don't miss that where we're going to be talking about everything we're playing, all the news, you know the, you know the deal. Um, but yeah, so follow us, uh, subscribe to us. You can follow us individually if you want to hear our thoughts on games and more. So I'm uh, JSR7 on Twitter. Jose is Wero, or sorry, Angel is Wero, W-E-R-R-O underscore O. That's also his Meverse handle. You can find me on Meverse as Jason R. And you know, Meverse is going through some changes. It's growing up pretty soon uh on the 29th i believe is when they switched to the uh flip the switch to the new meverse so next episode we'll have our full impressions of the new meverse and great time to follow us on there because uh you know there's new things to see new things to do so yeah that pretty much does it for this episode thanks so much for listening thanks for bearing with us as we talk in two different locations due to the power of the internet and mm-hmm. uh yeah and we'll be back on august 9th with a next episode where we're back in the same room and you won't hear this whirling fan on my laptop and it's gonna be a grand old time <laughs>